Podcast One production. This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. And we're doing a podcast because what we're wearing is too good for you to look at. I was walking around today and Kylie came on my shuffle and it just took me back to her concert earlier this year, which was potentially the best night of my whole entire life. And I feel like we haven't talked about it and we should talk about it, therefore, Um. because Kylie... (laughs) Queen of the world. It was actually the best concert ever and I was really scared because like obviously she's having a country moment right now. It's like when you do you get into your winter, you suddenly feel the country is easy to sell. Well, yep, she struggled though, didn't she? Mm, it's just like, you know, chuck it was a little easy. banjo in there and you're like, oh yeah, like try and dismiss it. It's not it's not good because it's not pop. I don't know if country does sell as well for her, because I remember having a couple of number ones with pop, but she's done. No, I'm not saying necessarily like it sells. It's just like easy to kind of like market if it's mediocre. Anyway, I was really worried we were sitting down for an evening of country renditions of pop classics. But luckily Yeah, she, she came through. She put on a pink sequin caftan. Yes, there was a cowboy boot, but it was gold. And she gave me what I needed. So Good. What Kylie has done really well in her uh, career is reinvent. Oh, that segue. Yeah, that was smooth. Smooth like a coffee brand that I'm not going to mention because they refuse to advertise with Do you know how many people have been like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you because you got sponsored by Nescafe. Like, how much do they pay you? Nothing. Nothing. We just really liked, like, Nescafe because they don't sponsor us. That was completely organic and such a great marketing opportunity for them, which they chose not to take. Can you never use the word Nescafe and organic in the same sentence again? Because (laughs) I actually think that it is, like, just incorrect. How do you think reinvention and fashion work together? Like, because obviously fashion in a design conversation, we talk a lot about the heritage of things, the past of things, the evolution. But do we ever reinvent completely? I feel like when you think about fashion and reinvention, there's so many different angles to take. You know, like there's your basic, like, I just want to reinvent my style. Um, But then, you know, you see sort of big reinventions of fashion houses, such as L'Envon with Albaz and who, I mean, it wasn't really relevant since like the 30s until he came along and then also like just reinventing general styles you see sort of especially in this period that we're currently in where you you see a copycat kind of trend whether it's the 70s and it's the 90s and it's the 80s and these silhouettes and these shapes and these colors silhouettes and shapes are the same thing come back around I think the word reinvention is a really interesting word to unpack first, particularly when we live in a climate right now, and feel free to disagree with me, where we all original ideas are are gone. They've been had, Mm -hmm. which I actually think is an incredibly pessimistic road to take, and I don't like to, to say that, but I think it's something that we definitely, our generation, even when we talk about things that aren't fashion, have a tendency to speak about that. Oh, well, every, every, all the good ideas are gone. All you can do is take an idea that already exists, look at it from a different angle and repurpose it. A horrible thing and I don't believe it. I actually saw something quite interesting the other day. Sorry to interrupt, but it was um, the top 10 grossing films from sometime in the 1980s and then last year. And in the 1980s, uh, nine of the 10 films were original films. Last year, I think eight out of ten were either sequels or remakes, you know, and it's. I feel like that's a very clear reflection of the, where we are right now in society. 
I think we are very caught up in, this is a fashion conversation and a general society conversation. We're caught up in the nostalgia of ourselves. And I think this comes from a place of like social media and because we document everything. Every time Judy takes a poop or buys a Coke Zero, she's posting it on some kind of forum she gets to curate. Poop selfie. So we've become obsessed with like tracking our progress. We've become obsessed with it. And so this constant need for nostalgia is like starting to seep into everything, particularly I find in fashion where these houses are so hung up on referencing their past. Well, I mean, one of Versace's, if not Versace's sort of biggest and most critically acclaimed collection was that tribute collection that she yeah, did a few years ago. That was smart marketing though, because she had held off even talking about Gianni yeah. and then was like, I'm ready to talk about it. No, Michael Kors just bought your company and said, this motherfucker's about to sink. You need to make me a million. Like, and she did. <laughs> Ta. Duh. Yeah, she did. She was like, well, I've had this one sitting in the closet. She moved a bunch of ugly sequin high split dresses that had J-Lo's fake tan all over them and got this collection out. <laughs> Poured another Pinot Gris. Hugged that dog that should be put down. Did you know that um, I saw a fun fact with Balenciaga? When you say that, can you just go, fun fact? I saw a fun fact. This is a new segment if you just want to put in the fun fact. Yeah, we need a soundbite. Hang on, let me call Simon in production. Simon? Simon. Hello. <laughs> it's me, Simon. We need a soundbite. What should the soundbite be? Uh, just fun fact. But fun then I fact. want like a like a bell. I want people um, to know that I'm putting my hands up near my face. Can you make a sound oh, that's yeah. like my hand up near my face? Okay, I just... Fun fact. Hands up near my face. Fun fact. Nicholas Gasquier Balenciaga. Yeah, when he uh, joined, well, came at the helm of Balenciaga in 1997. Did you know that he wasn't allowed to actually go back and look at the archives until 2001? Some of the greatest designers have always done that. Karl Lagerfeld, rest in peace, always said that, that he never looks back, he can only look forward. Well, he was sort of labelled the master of reinvention at Chanel. People like Karl Lagerfeld and, 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 and those kind of designers that are always like, oh, we only look forward, we never look back. It's because they're doing that that we can look back, yeah. that we can appreciate. It's it, You're not getting bogged down in the drudgery of, of the everyday. I think, too, it's a fear. Reinvention has become a fear because we have seen so many people attempt to reinvent and fail, particularly in this country. We love cutting people down. Like Nikki Webster. Yeah, yeah. Like, she was the child prodigy, and now everyone makes fun of her for having a dance studio. So many people in my life I'm right sure now are making fun of her. flying down, opening up the Olympic shoes, saying, I can't wait in 15 years, I'm going to have a dance studio. Everybody loves a phoenix, even if it's just yourself. Crash, burn, Katy Perry reborn. Raw plays. Put it on now. And you're going to hear me roar. That'll be a tough reinvention. You want to talk about crashing and burning. Katy Perry liked my Instagram the other day, so you know that she's bored. <laughs> she did. It's because we were the only people who liked her Grammys look. Poodles. If you don't have legs, you can't wear high heels. And if you don't have a brain, here's a history segment. Watch closely. Welcome to the radical fashionism school of fashion for the gifted. And the not so gifted. I love it. Christian has organised a history segment today for us, which I'm very excited for. So, we were talking about this and obviously reinvention, we were initially going to do the mother of reinvention, Majana. But then I was like, that's a little too obvious. 
And then I like kind of looked within myself and was like, sure, I want to do Madonna because I'm gay, but I could also educate some gays. What's something that gays need to learn about, but also like really are into? And then I thought, you can't swing a fucking cat without hitting a gay in an ugly Balmain t-shirt. So why don't I do the history of Balmain? Oh, I was really excited for the history of Madonna. Yeah, but you're also more like educated on Madonna as well. So sad. Soz. The story was Christian was like, what should we do the history segment on? And I texted back Madonna and he was like, that's what I thought, but I thought it was too basic. And I was like, okay, it's Madonna. Well, Go, well then, do about man. Do about man. So it all started in 1945 when Pierre Belmont um, showed his first collection and Vogue just described him as like a shy blonde man who um, 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 like um, there was like no resorts for extremes. And there was... <laughs> He really hit a stride in the 1950s. Um, it was all back in 1993 to 2002. So yeah, that's the transition. That was the reinvention of the house. Sorry. I want to talk about Madonna like we planned to. Look, admittedly, I was a little bring- bit bored. Like halfway through that, I was kind of like... Mm-hmm. You can't bring me in here promising that we're going to talk about Madonna and then be like, oh, That's we're talking about That's how I actually lure Andy anywhere. <laughs> I'm do- like, come down, it's family dinner. I don't want to. Uh, we're talking about Madonna. There. It's like, you know, when Wiley Coyote like runs somewhere and there's just a dust cloud left behind? But with me, it's glitter and lube and I'm there to talk about Madonna. Plot twist. I want to talk about Madonna like planned. Yeah. No, I have not researched any of this. I don't know what I'm doing going into it. But I am the son of possibly the biggest Madonna fan ever. My dad. Love Madonna. Loved her. Loved her on a yacht. Is that a quote from Evita? Loved her on a hill. It was. It was Espanola. Yeah. Oh, my God. He loved her. He loved her. He loved her. He loved her. And I think, look, when you think about reinvention, when you think about longevity, and when you think about that in the wider conversation of fashion, Madonna has kind of ticked a lot of boxes. Obviously, she came in hot, early 80s, very unique look. Mesh. Like lace, bow, perm, fro, cheap and cheerful. I call it the Spice Girls effect. Like the outfit is made out of polyurethane and duct tape, but geez, it's a strong image. It becomes an image when like that is her image. Like 80s Madonna moment. You see her obviously get very successful very quickly. The next album, True Blue, is a lot more curated, a lot more curated. It had that real 50s aesthetic. She had um, the haircut kind of like Rizzo, a lot of polka she dots. She did that sort of Marilyn kind of... Yeah, it was definitely had that Rydale High feel. Although Marilyn was kind of an aesthetic that she played with a little bit. Yeah, I think every American girl does though, don't they? Yeah. At one point, even Lindsay Lohan drags that ratty red hair under a blonde wig any chance she gets. Anyway, you know, you had a lot You had a lot more of that kind of Rydale High, American sweetheart, 1950s moment, which I think was exciting for the youth of the 80s to see. And that had a huge impact on fashion at that time. From there, you're going to move into like a prayer you're going into the Jean-Paul Gaultier era where she's obviously getting hyper successful. She's working with really high-end designers and it's becoming more sexually charged. 
it's becoming more uh, like female empowering. It's becoming more about owning her body. You see a lot of the power suits she wore in like Express Yourself, for example, which had the breasts cut out. Like she definitely starts skewing the line of masculine feminine, which I think is a really interesting conversation to have. You also start seeing her become friends with designers and friends with models. There's photos of her and... Kate Moss, there's her and Jean-Paul Gaultier. She walked very to Jean-Paul Gaultier, didn't she? Yeah, she's walked to quite a couple of them. He did all the costumes for um, the Blonde Ambition tour. From Blonde Ambition, you moving now more into erotica. Um, the look is she's playing a lot with lingerie. She does the Human Nature video clip in a full latex gimp suit and cornrows. She never got chastised for cultural appropriation. I'm sure now she would. We're moving into like this adult contemporary Madonna, which is really interesting from a fashion point of view. She's left completely behind the original like permfro lace bow. And now we're very conceptual. We're very like high fashion where we're not, it's not a fun, this whole period is not a fun Madonna from a fashion point of view. It's very, very, like, the art is integrated. Aesthetically, this is very much my favourite Madonna. Yeah, into Ray of Light, where she kind of relaxes for a second, but then is back into high concept. She's in the kimonos. There was that yellow dress that she wore to some event. She's got black hair. It's really low-cut, long-sleeve silk with a huge skirt. Yeah. It's probably my favourite she's ever looked. Yeah, I think during literally up until... A very recent time, Madonna treated all her outfits as costumes. Even when you saw her at the Met Gala, whether she was dressed by Jeremy Scott or or whoever or Moschino or whoever she was with, I don't. And she's always copped a lot of uh, backlash over what she's worn because it might have been age inappropriate, whatever the f- that means, or it might have been um, uh, like too revealing. But what? I think she has done and why her reinvention has been so successful through all these reincarnations is she's Madonna the character. Mm. She's not Madonna the person. You don't know what Madonna the person wears. Madonna the person, probably much like Marilyn Manson, is sitting at home in a juicy couture tracksuit eating like low-fat frozen yogurt. If I had all the money in the world, that's exactly what I'd spend it on. Yeah, duh. Anyway, I'll get back on track. Ray of Light happens. Very exciting. Into music, which was cowgirl-themed. Genius. Yeah, then we went straight into heavy politicalness of American life, which was a lot of comments on, obviously, America, Hollywood. A lot of the video clips were shot by um, the famous fashion photographers. Hang on. During American Life, she had Hollywood. The music video was directed by Jean-Baptiste Mondino, the incredibly famous, and I'm really angry that I forgot his name and I had to quickly fact check it, uh, French fashion photographer. He's shot everyone for everything. He does the most beautiful work. Um, And this was her, I guess, the start of age-inappropriate fashion Madonna, which is my favourite. From American Life, you had the kiss of Britney. You had her being the groom at the MTV Music Awards. You had Hard Candy with Justin Timberlake, where she was obviously incredibly sexually charged with him in a nude corset, which was quite quite intense. Through to hung up after that, which was confessions. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Leotards and night pants. 
I can't believe that she wrote that tune, went back in time, gave it to ABBA for yeah. them to borrow. So that she could then, sample it in yeah. 2005. Keeping in mind during all this time, she's at every Met Gala in an absolute costume. She's not in a gown. She's not in some bullshit J-Lo crap that just makes you look good. Like every time she's coming hard Does with the J-Lo concept. Does J-Lo even look that good? No. I get that it's tight and sparkly. She looks like jerky with a clip on her <sighs> hair ponytail. From Hung Up, Confessions on a Dance Floor, we go into MDNA, the obviously huge drug reference. We hit Bridget Bardot, Madonna. We hit Back Combed Hair. Uh, we hit Super Bowl. We hit the Super Bowl. Oh, the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I'm doing a Super Bowl. That's when I don't poo into the Super Bowl. Um, no, I'm kidding. I poop. You got to let it out. You got to set them free so they can go down to the sewer and find their families. Um, you have her back being a pop star. She looks like a pop star again. And then obviously into Rebel Heart, which. I loved the clothing. I loved particularly that the bitch. Um, no, the bitch on Madonna era where everyone was like, you're too old, cover your knees. And she was like, fuck you. I'm going to wear a pink fur coat and a mini dress and you can't stop me. And I think it's, do you know what? I get so many women who would comment about that at that period of time of, oh, she can't dress like that. She's too old for that. And I'm like, why? She's Madonna. When I'm 50, I want to reinvent myself as a 21-year-old. What a great way. I don't know if that's the right word, reinvention. Maybe it's digress. I want to digress, reinvent myself to 20. Yeah. And now she's kind of gone back to the like Marrakesh roots, which she's played with before. She did a little bit in like the late 90s when she had all the henna and stuff like that. Yeah. And now she's back there. Yeah. Yeah. I think Madonna is a really good touchstone for reinvention again because what she has done, she has done authentically within the character sphere that is her. And it's been a great marker of time. It's something you have to appreciate from a person when their eras line up culturally and socially with those eras. Like when you think of the 80s, you can think of 80s Madonna. When you think of the 90s. Well, if you have an 80s party, someone's going to come dressed as Madonna. I think that's a huge... um, I think that's a huge testament to a career well-dressed. I slightly feel like I'm about to faint. Like, plot twist. But if I do, like, heads up. Why don't you stand up to some stretches, wiggle around, get some blood pumping. I don't know if that's going to make it better or worse. I always think it helps. Do some deep squats. Christian's just feeling a little lightheaded, for those of you listening at home. He's going to do some deep squats. Maybe make yourself a Nescafe. This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. All right, Christian, make yourself look pretty. Sarah Jane Clark's outside. Well, my work's cut out for me. (laughs) Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Sarah Jane. A very special Radical Fashionism welcome to Sarah Jane Clark. Hi, boys. Thank you so much for joining us. Sarah, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, was one half of... you You were sass, right? I was the sass, the yeah. sassy one. The sass of sass and bide, um, who has now, you have your own label, Sarah Jane Clark, SJC. I do, SJC made for travel. How important do you think reinvention is in the world of fashion? Well, how long ago was it that you reinvented to this new label that's launched? How long have we, how long have we had? The new label is only a baby. She's only, what, I launched in October two thousand and. 18. So very young. Um, after leaving Sassambad, I ended up taking uh, about four years off because I just needed time. And I think giving yourself time is the biggest gift. So I just 
sat and I, I just had to regroup and get my creative flow happening again. Completely. And I guess Sass and Bide was, I mean, it endures today, obviously, but it was such a huge foundation brand in the Australian it was fashion zeitgeist yeah. of like that era, you know, that's like, yeah. that's what everyone was wearing. You couldn't be cool without wearing Sass and Bide. Particularly it, when you and, and Heidi were at Sass and Bide, it's heyday. It was the epitome mm. of, of a, not only Australian fashion, but like finger on pulse fashion. So you would need four years to like yeah. take a breath, find your voice again. <laughs> it was all very consuming. Yeah. And, you know, we both had young families at the time as well. So we were just, we really didn't have a minute to itch ourselves. So this whole new business for me is the complete opposite to that. And I almost put my lifestyle before the mm. business, whereas before it was all about the business. My family had to fit around <laughs> the Sass and Bide schedule. Of course. So, um, yeah, doing it in a new way and... Um, feels good. So walk me through your fashion lifespan. When did you start being interested in fashion to launching probably the most important Australian brand, sorry, Carl Zampati, don't hit me, ever created, in my opinion so far, that continues on to now where you are now? Like how old, like when did it all start? When did the, when did the tree start to grow? Oh, well, look, well, I think, I guess when I was a teenager, my mother always used to say I dressed very differently from all of my peers. So I would, you know, be wearing country road denim chambray shirts with Armoian boots and little cut off Canterbury That's pants. And yeah, quite a look. <laughs> so um, I guess I always had uh, expressed myself through fashion. And then I um, left school and I studied a business degree and I majored in accountancy, of all things. And then I went to London. I worked in-house at EMI Music and a couple of the big music companies. And then Heidi and I um, started living together in London and we spent a ridiculous amount of time at Portobello Markets. And we'd, we used to buy vintage and we'd adjust it or, you know, take it up, take it, take it in. And then we'd also do that with our jeans especially our Levi's. So um, in London, we used to find this little tailor and we would um, go to him and we'd say, can you take these jeans in at the thigh? They need to be tighter. And then we're like, well, why don't we just make our own? Like instead of altering everybody else's, let's just make the perfect pair of jeans. And that's when we returned to Australia to embark on the now Sass and Bide. Sass and Bide was born. Was it scary jumping back into it? Oh, hell yeah. Just literally getting back <laughs> yeah, in the mouth like, of the crocodile. like Yes, every I day like, I wake up going, what am I doing? The four years is just <laughs> enough time to forget all the hard shits and just start it's reminiscing. Yeah. It's like having a baby. glasses came back up. Yeah, exactly. You forget the childbirth because it's so cute. But um, yeah, it, it, it's a bit intimidating and it's scary and it's like, you know, you're putting yourself back out there. Were you concerned that people... A, wouldn't remember you, or B, would expect you to be a certain way? Like, did you, were, were either of those a concern, like, being well, away for four years? I sort of quite liked the fact that I was away for four years because I really went quiet, mm. which was lovely. And I don't particularly love all the 
attention, attention. The, the drama around yeah. it. Yeah, so I was quite happy just to launch quietly back into the market. Mm-hmm. And it's that's the other thing. I've just... I'm just doing what I love and I'm doing it my way and there's no sort of no rules this yeah, time. You've really reinvented your approach to it as well when it comes to being sort of directly to consumers. You know, it's through the internet. It's it's They can go there, they can see the product and that's they can buy yes. it directly opposed to sort of convoluting the process. With yeah. department stores. Do you think that you would ever embark on the journey of bricks and mortar like... You did with with SAS and Biden, obviously the department. I mean, because for me, my first interaction with SAS on a personal level was within the sphere of David Jones, which mm-hmm. kind of like for a long time there. I know that like mm. we'd all go there. You know, even me as like a young giant I gay, my oldest I would go there and ruffle, there, yeah. ruffle all the sequins constantly. Like it was <laughs> such a big part of the DNA, even of that department store. Do you think you would ever embark on that journey again, or is the plan to keep her quite away well, from all that bullshit? I. Th- I think you can't underestimate the power of touch and feel and senses. So um, I'm not going to say never because I do, I like the idea of having a small salon style Mm -hmm. store, which maybe just opens for the season and then I shut it down and I host trunk shows and I host... Yeah. The art of the trunk oh. show is yeah. dead and it needs to be revived. Oh, trunk yes. shows are I feel like a, a lot of online um, like matches and Mr. Porter and stuff like that are starting to um, host trunk shows and stuff like that, which are really fantastic because it's obviously giving direct deposits to designers who can then put that money into production and yes. create new things that they probably wouldn't have been able to without the trunk shows. Yeah, and it, al- it also creates a point of difference too because I think um, women love and men love coming in and and just having that very intimate yeah. affair. Who are you seeing wearing um, your new label? Who are you seeing? Who are you seeing wearing her? Like, where is she going? What does she do? Like, oh. what is her what is her lifestyle? The SJC woman loves to travel, mm. so she's a bit of a globe trotter, mm-hmm. and she, um, you know, she the the pieces are really designed to be worn. You could wear them down to the beach or you could wear them out to lunch. You could wear them to the museum, the galleries. So they're really versatile in that sense. So she is, look, I think she is just a a modern woman Mm -hmm. who doesn't like trends. She just wants well-crafted pieces. And, you know, I think when you get to our age too, you just want, you know what you like, you know what feels good. She just likes to celebrate individuality. Great. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Pleasure. Bye, boys. Okay, usually I say don't call him because he never picks up, but I, I want to talk to him. Can you please call your dad, please? Yeah, sure. Do you reckon he's going to pick up? No, but I'm going to leave a voicemail. Okay. Hi, thanks for calling. Leave a message and I'll get right back to you. Bye. Hey, Dad. Richard, it's Andrew. I just want to let you know, as the brain's trust of this duo, we're going to take control of your image. We've just done an episode of Reinvention. I'm feeling inspired. I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling really engaged in the direction of the Richard Wilkins brand going forward. And it's away from Red Converse. How do you feel about highlights? Also... Frosted tips. Been there, done that. Really? Yeah. They're coming back. Actually, Red Converse are coming back. Actually, Richard, everything's fine the way it is. Love you, bye.
Radical Fashionism was presented by Christian Wilkins and Andy Kelly, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au. Download the Podcast One app or search Radical Fashionism on Apple Podcasts.